It was Sunday, March 3rd, 1946. The beginning of a reign of terror for the people of Texarkana and surrounding areas of Arkansas and Texas. A terror so indelibly imprinted that today, 30 years later, people still speak of it fearfully. Hello and welcome back to Scream 101 Podcast. I'm Brennan. And I'm disappointed. Me too. Because this is the second week of our 70s Proto Slashes Month. And so far, my choices have once again proven to be uh, less than exciting. You sound very excited though. That's my professionalism okay. showing through. Also, I'm Sergio, by the way. I don't know if it's necessary for you guys to know me. It, it, well, you said it already. I said I'm disappointed. Oh shoot, you are. I forgot. Anyway, the reason you're disappointed is because this week, the second week of Proto Slashers Month, we watched 1976's The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Dun, down, dun, down, down. This movie was directed by Charles B. Pierce, who did a movie about something. It's called like The Legend of Buggy Creek or something, but I don't... That's cool. How was he doing? He's it was like dead. a baseball movie. What? The Legend of Bobby Creek. Sounds like a baseball movie. Boggy Creek. Oh. It's about like a like a Sasquatch or a swamp thing, one of those things. Oh. Here's the plot to the town the dreaded sundown. All right. A Texas ranger hunts for a hooded serial killer terrorizing the residents of a small town set in nineteen forty six Texas, loosely based on a true story. Ooh. Yeah, this is set in Texarkana. It's based on the story of the phantom killer who killed five people in Texarkana. Did this really happen? Loosely. Oh, okay. Wow. I don't know. Another oh another weird thing. This is a slasher period piece, which I was not expecting. That was fun. Yeah, it was decent as a period structure. Like it seemed forties. Yeah. Uh, Little cineplexes and mm-hmm. World War Two references. Mm-hmm. They talked about Truman in the White House. They Do you remember did. those years? No. The good old years. This phantom killer shows up and kills people who are canoodling in Lovers Lane every twenty-one weeks. They're not really canoodling. No, they mainly just lean their heads on each other and say, can we keep going? Yeah, it's the most innocent form of canoodling I've ever seen. I think I think they're just taking the term necking very literally. They're not even necking. They're not no. even rubbing against each other. No, literally, he like they all the dudes all crick their necks and just put their heads either on the shoulders of the girls or on the laps of the girls. Maybe that's a comment on the ennui of the, the post-war generation. But they're so... They've lost direction. I don't think so. Maybe. I don't think so. Okay. Um. Anyway, the uh, the killer waits three weeks in between all his killings. We never find out why. We don't find out if it's like the phases of the moon or if he's secretly a butterfly or something. But in the sequel that never happened, for good reason, we'll find out. There's a remake that I'm excited to watch. I'm Ooh. just babbling. Every time we review a movie, we rate it one out of five on scariness. And then, I change, the, and then I change the categories. Yeah. FX and quality. So what would you rate it out of five screams on scariness? I'd rate it one mask. Okay. Because he only wore one mask in the movie. It's not just one mask because it wasn't scary. I was never really, I never feared for the lives of the people. At one point I was cheering him on as he killed them because I thought they were really dumb. And we were really bored. <laughs> we were really bored. I needed something to do to keep my attention going. Yeah, I was, n- I was never scared. 
And it was more com- comedic than anything. Yeah, we'll get to that. As for, for the, the wigs. Perms. The wig party, Brennan. Let's, it's election week, so I have to give them something. Let's not talk about election anymore. This is coming out on Friday. Election's over. No one's talking about it. The wig party, news. though. I hope it's old news. Oh, God. Anyway, um, I also rate it one out of five uh, screams. I I have in all caps on in my notes, the killer wore blue jeans. Like, the killer is super goofy looking in this movie. He has a sack over his head, much like uh, Jason Voorhees does in Friday the 13th Part 2. Mm-hmm. The difference is we get to see both of the killer's eyes in the town that dreaded sundown. And there are these beautiful baby blue peepers that I want to take for my very own. And... Uh, that's all I was thinking about when the killer was doing his business because nothing else was interesting. Um, yeah, and he was wearing jeans and a sack, and uh, it was just boring. Like there were parts where he was sneaking behind the cars in Lover's Lane that mm-hmm. were really goofy, like kind of Pink Panther esque. Yeah. Doo 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 At one point, he snuck in front of a car while someone was looking at the windshield, and he didn't even crouch. I'm like, how did she not see him? Too busy necking. She, well, she was too looking, busy patting the head of her she boy. She was looking his me. direction and being like, "the like the car's locked, right?" And then all of a sudden, he made the hood fly up somehow. That was pretty cool. That was weird. It was the '40s. They probably didn't have that secret latch thing. Okay, I'll give them the benefit of a doubt and the fact that I'm lacking in car knowledge, but I feel like that's a really, a really cheap ploy. Look, I'll take anything at this point. Okay, okay. This movie's not scary at all. No, it's not. This movie is the kind of slasher movie that I hate the most in that it's about the cops. Oh, okay. Like is there like a whole subgenre of this? There's a lot of cop slasher movies. Oh. I mean or or, or I slasher guess that was true of last week's movie. Yeah, slasher movies where the, the cops are either a major character or the protagonist, I tend to find more boring because I don't want to watch a crime movie. This is a slasher movie. Like Saws. What? Saws. Oh, because Jigsaw just starts only killing members of the police department at some point. Yeah, and then we feel bad for them, but not all of them. Oh, my God, it was great, though. Because, like, in (laughs) Saw 4 or something, they have a memorial service for all the cops that have been killed by Jigsaw, and it's just, like, it's like that Guess Who game of, like, headshots of cops. But what I was saying, I I just, I don't like crime procedurals. I want to care about the victims, and the victims we only meet in their death scene, and Mm -hmm. or half of them don't even die. Like, one of them gets shot in the head and doesn't die. I don't know how that Yeah, happened. that was really inconsistent. I was pissed off about that because her husband, you see him get shot twice in the head, and he's clearly out. Meanwhile, she's shot in the face. Yeah, she gets shot in the jaw, which I believe would probably have blown off her jaw, but it just looks like, she has, a, looks like she has a little pimple. I think the killer was using a BB gun. Uh, and But clearly he wasn't if it was strong enough to like go through her husband's skull and kill him. Yeah, well, he shot her in the head. Because she jerked her head back and there was blood behind her on the wall. And then she crawled away. And then the narrator's like, she survived later <laughs> on. And, oh, we should mention there also there's a narrator through half of this movie. Like, is Texas Chainsaw opened with an opening narration. Mm-hmm. But the narrator just keeps coming back and he's like, it was the middle of summer in post-Truman World War II. It's like a documentary, which yeah. I guess is the point that they were trying to do because it's yeah. based on a real whatever the narrator didn't bother me so much i kind of liked him yeah he was amusing he was probably the most likable character i mean i was happy that he was coming back because anything happened in the movie i uh-huh. guess i was just really bored by cops and i was like let's get them off screen yeah, even, none of them even die even with spark plug i was not a fan of him you know speaking of uh spark plug what's your campiness score sergio um i gave it three three wigs brennan perms 
wigs. Oh, we already went over this. Three radical wigs. Three radical wigs. Um, left-leaning, of course. Um, was the Whig Party like a liberal or conservative party? <sighs> Who gives a crap? <laughs> They're not around. Um, yeah. The the only thing that makes this movie, or the thing that makes the movie campy, is the cops. Uh, they well, they're have, the only thing that happens in this movie. Yeah, because they have their own like weird little theme going on. They get into zany antics, and it's like it's it all involves cars too. Um, mm. Oh my god! Yeah, oh, I just remembered a super the, special scene. Yeah, the the road scene and the river scene. Yeah. Um, okay. Do you want to talk about Spark? Go Plug? ahead. Go ahead. There's a character named Spark Plug in this movie, played by the director. I might add, because he was like. I gotta give myself the best part. Spark plug, the wacky cop. Yeah, it was great. So he's super inept and he can't find his keys even though they're hanging on the rack where they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And he drives super fast and scares Ben Johnson, who's the Texas Ranger who's trying to track down the guy. Ben Johnson later appeared in Roger Spottiswood's Terror Train in 1980 opposite Jamie Lee Curtis and David A much better movie. It was a much better movie. Anyway, um... <laughs> Back so to spark plug. Yeah, spark plugs is wacky cop, and at one point he has to like they're trying to lure the killer with fake lovers, and he has to dress in drag. And oh my god, there's this cop sheriff guy with like a walrus mustache who's posing as a uh, spark plug in drags boyfriend or whatever mm-hmm. and he seems kind of into it yeah and like he's putting his arm around spark plug and then spark plugs all like Mwah, gay stuff mm-hmm. because it's the 70s yeah. slash the 40s <laughs> and um eventually walrus cop there's a perp that they're dragging away and he drags him by the belt and he's like i'll sit in the back with him the whole ride and i'm like i'm pretty sure he's just a super secret like predatory gay cop <laughs> Anyway, sorry, spark plug. At one point, there's a bunch of uh, they're they're apprehending this suspect, and there's like a bunch of cop cars yeah. and freaking they're out in the countryside. Yeah, a uh, spark plug has basically crashed into a tree already and is trying to like, get back on the road. And he's zooming down, and he just launches the car into the swamp, like yeah. straight into the bog. <laughs> I was like, this just became a police academy movie. Yep. Equipped with its own little theme, too. Was, oh, yeah, they used, like, that tuba theme where it's like, womp, 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 womp. It was very Benny Hill for me. Oh, it was insane. Oh, we probably have to pay for that. Never mind, then. Ignore that. Well, you're tone deaf enough that I don't think it would match the actual notes used in Yakety Sax. Okay, cool. Thank you for that. You're Backhanded comment. You're welcome. That was amusing. Like, yeah. there was enough amusing stuff in this movie a little bit. It, mm-hmm. It's still very dry in 70s that the campy stuff doesn't really land. Yeah. It's, like, totally unintentional, and while I usually like it, it's in a movie that has no personality yeah. whatsoever. Uh, let's talk about effects. That'll be a fast one. What's your effects score? Out of five um, trombones. Out of five trombones, I gave it one. Why ever so, um, Sergio? There were no effects. In these proto slashers, I'm coming to find out mm. that there's not a lot of blood and there's not a lot of effects. Yeah. And the set design, though, Brennan, was great. All the turquoise? All the aquamarine. One man's aquamarine is another man's turquoise. It's true. That's a beautiful sentiment from a beautiful man. Am I Sh- me? Yeah. I am me. Great. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I totally agree. Um, when a stranger calls and whatever the hell this was town dreaded sundown mm-hmm. 
No blood at all. I, I'm not expecting to see gory killings in mm-hmm. a 70s slasher movie. Texas Chainsaw Massacre had almost no blood in it. Um, but yeah. th- that movie Are was Are we that- watching that? No. Okay, Because Shannon and I watched it last year. Okay, good. I love that movie. It's so good. It's okay. Okay. Um, I'm also giving it one out of five trombones. I do... I am amused by the fact that the lady gets shot in the face and it's just like, it looks like she broke out in acne before prom, which we also, there was a prom scene we should there mention. There was. Uh, which leads into everyone's favorite kill in this movie because it's the only interesting one. Uh, one Where we meet the characters beforehand? No, no, no. Well, one of the characters at the prom is playing oh. in like the brass band and she goes out to make out with her boyfriend and her there's a trombone in the backseat of the car, which is hers. Yeah. And the killer like straps a knife to the trombone and just like trombones her to death. It's really sexual. And th- that that kill was actually kind of intense because the Foley work was very strange. Mm-hmm. Like the Foley work throughout this Describe movie. Describe Foley work for those of us who don't know. Okay. Foley work is just the sound effects that they make. Okay. On, like, um... Like every time we shot a gun, it sounded like a like an air rifle. It sounded like, <laughs> or like someone like squirting a spray bottle at a cat or something. Okay. But when he was stabbing her, it sounded like he was stabbing through wood or something. And it was super fakey, but it was kind of intense. Okay. And he got to kill someone with a trombone. So he did. ten out of ten. What a way to kill her. Mm-hmm. She got. She really got tromboned. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. I don't know. What's your quality score, Sergio? I gave it two. I gave it two. It was two what? Two plots. It was overall bad. It had a it had a plot, Brennan. You know, uh, it had a story that it was trying to tell, um, which was don't go out after sundown. Yeah, don't don't go to Lover's Lane. I guess in the middle of nowhere during a curfew or, time, or don't live in Texarkana. <laughs> Um, is the main goal I think of that movie I guess I don't know they tried to tell the story it it wasn't particularly well done um, or interesting but hey they were just starting out they're an important movie for a reason Um, I'm giving them some credit which is why I gave them the extra plot but I'm not I'm not happy yeah I'm so sorry I what'd you give it I gave it two out of five unlucky stars I just hope like, am I just making bad choices, people? I should be making the decisions from now on. Well, you don't know any of the movies. Well, we can watch, like, my pseudo-horror movies. Like Sicario and um, and Doubt and um, that, see, Julie no. and Julia. Okay, Sergio, you're not allowed to choose. You're definitely not. But I need, like, a crash course in choosing. Well, um, anyway, I give it two out of five. I'm so disappointed. I'm not a huge fan of... Uh, Wait, does Matt like this movie? I don't know. Okay. I feel bad bad mouthing it. No. Like it. If you didn't like it, it doesn't matter. Okay. Like state your opinion as long as you back up your opinion with Okay, cool. things. You won't care. All right, cool. Go dogs. Uh yeah. I you know what? I think there there's a test that I'm going to start putting every movie to, which I have kind of discovered, the mark of a bad movie. If you get to watch someone ordering their food at a restaurant in a movie, it's a bad movie. Because there's a part where they're sitting at this restaurant to talk about uh, the killer and his psychosexual needs, which never comes up again. We get to watch the doctor who's sitting at the table with them. He's like, oh, yes, I'd like a uh, prime rib steak medium rare and a glass of your house Merlot or whatever. And it's Mm -hmm. like, no, you're at a restaurant. I get it. You don't Mm -hmm. need to set the like literally and figuratively set the table for me. I get it. You're at a restaurant. Other bad movies where this happens. 
The Room. You get to watch three different pairs of people order their coffee before Tommy and Greg walk in. Uh, also, American Psycho 2, where there's like 20 minutes of restaurant business before the end of the movie. I'm just, this is my new, this is my new standard to which I will hold all movies. That's not true. We saw in Duel where they the guy ordered his cheese sandwich. Yes, but he was so stressed. Like, no, I'm saying, okay. There, there are times when someone can order food if it speaks to their character or if it actually relates to the plot. Or like in The Hitcher when he's eating french fries and one of them's a finger. Ooh. Ooh. Or like if it... Or like in Pulp Fiction. Where they... I don't think they order a Royale with cheese. Well, they, they talk, just talk about, about it. it. Still, it was great. Anyway, do you have anything to add before we move on to Champion Dialogue? Before we move on to more of Tarantino-ness. Um, uh, what did I say? I just... I liked the Aquamarine. There yeah, was almost colors. There was that color in almost every shot. To me, it reminded me of um, like a Moldavar. Yeah. You know, he always has red in every shot. Um, having said that, that was the best part of this movie. So, If it was a better director, I would have guessed that it's on purpose. Yeah. I feel like it had to have been on purpose. Because the curtains and then the cars there and was the a walls. Lot. And I think someone's nails and some dresses might, maybe even. Maybe he'd... You know what? This is actually before Almodovar made his debut, so maybe he inspired Almodovar. Maybe. Um. Anyway, what's your champion dialogue, Sergio? Your um, favorite line from this movie? I didn't like much. The only thing that I liked <laughs> that was funny in context of the film is when there's these two kids. They're just sitting in the car. This is during prom or after the prom. This is during like that curfew part where they, like they know that there's a killer out there, and they're just sitting there in the car with him resting his head on like her shoulder yeah, just staring like, at the window with ennui and she's like it's time for us to go home and he's like it's 20 to 3 five more minutes peggy no just five more minutes peggy of <laughs> of this yeah oh can't get enough of that that shoulder leaning yeah and i guess the kids and their hormones it speaks to the the um the decade i guess where they are just so so wholesome that this is that's enough for them. I don't know. Maybe the director just wanted I, to bring that back or that ideal. No, I have no idea. I have literally no idea what he thought was going on because they don't even kiss. They're not even kissing. Yeah. Like forget like sexual activities or and or exploits. Like they're barely touching. I think that's what they want us to remember about the forties was that it was a good old wholesome time. No, the f- people have been knocking each other up. And we just think it's a more wholesome time because they got married immediately after that. Uh huh. Anyway, well, I don't know. Have you ever seen American Graffiti? That was the fifties, and no. Oh, well, we were talking about this in class about how American Graffiti like brought to light that the nostalgia pieces are never what we actually remember them to be. That they're actually people were just as bad as you yeah. are in current times. It's true. You ever seen Grease? They're boning all over the place. They're tromboning all over. My champion dialogue is from our favorite character, Sparkplug. What does he say? Um, this is when he's dressed in drag sitting in the car for a scene that goes nowhere. He's like on the radio with some other officer and they're making fun of him because, oh, women are crap. It's the 70s and the 40s. It's a double dose of misogyny. And we're in Texas. This is terrible. Um, like, I think they're just raging against Texas. The machine? Yeah. Um, anyway, so th- this is his response on the uh, walkie-talkie. He says, How about you, Walt, you there? I'm here looking at you, and you look stunning. Up yours and out. Up yours and out. Because, like, instead of over and out, 
Oh, okay. I just thought that was funny. It is very his character. Yeah, I do like... Okay, go. I do like silly insults in movies. Those end up being my champion dialogue a lot more okay. than other lines. Uh, anyway, I think this is our genre discussion period. Um, I think The Town of the Dreaded Sundown was definitely showing more signs of slasherdom than... Well, more people died in this movie than in the other one. Yeah, than When a Stranger Calls. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because it came out three years before it came out in '76, but I mean we'd already had Texas Chainsaw, we'd already had uh, freaking that other thing, uh, American Graffiti, Black Christmas. Texas, see that movie now. I think Texas Chainsaw is the biggest, like obvious inspiration to this movie because it's murders in Texas uh-huh. and there's a John Larroquette type narrator. Mm-hmm. We actually see people get killed. One of them's creative and funny, the trombone kill. Okay, um, so you're talking about the people. No. I was like, who was creative and funny in this movie? No, 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 no. I think the fact that there's such a heavy cop presence shows that it's more 70s than our regular slashers. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the killer actually kills people with a gun at some point, because any good slasher director or writer should know, don't give your killer a gun, because that's such a boring way to kill people. It is. The reason people come to these things are for creative deaths. Like, look. If you're just carrying around a gun all day, there's no need to tie a knife to a trombone and uh-huh. stab them with it while you're blowing on it, which is just a great scene. Good. I, um, I, I liked know. it less than the other one. So you liked it less than When a Stranger Calls? Yeah. That one, I cared more about the characters. I guess you're right. I mean, I found... I felt for Carol Kane when she was breaking up. Or breaking Breaking down. up with her husband. <laughs> she was breaking down in that restaurant, ordering chicken. Yeah, that's a great... Well, yeah, no. This movie at no point matches the best of When a Stranger Calls. Mm-hmm. But I found throughout, I was never as bored as I am during the middle hour of When a Stranger Calls. Okay, that's fair. So I think it's about the this. cops in this movie were more exciting than the cop in yeah. that one. I think it's about the same for me. Oh, by the way, I totally for I didn't realize we were talking about When a Stranger Calls last week. Charles Durning who played the the cop chasing the killer in One of Stranger Calls. He also played Doc Hopper in that same year's The Muppet movie. He's the guy who owns the chain of frog leg restaurants, and he wants Kermit to be his spokes frog. And I just wish I had known that at the time, because I could have made some great jokes. Okay. I mean, you can make them now. Uh, fro- got a frog in your throat? Have you checked the frogs? Oh, these jokes, man. They're just <laughs> ripping into me, well, much like the ki- like the killer would. Speaking of killers, next week we're hoping to redeem our Proto Slasher month yeah, by I watching. Yeah, I am so ready for Alice Sweet Alice to just F me up. I'm ready for it. Yeah, we're watching Alice Sweet Alice, which is one of our listener Tristan's favorite scary movies, if you listen to our- Oh, is it really? Uh, yeah, that's what he said in our little montage. Oh, I, th- of, I remember that now. Yeah, I, that I episode you didn't listen to. Shut up. On behalf of all of us here at Scream 101, I really hope we like it <laughs> because I will apologize in advance if we don't like it. But if I'm not. I will do that thing where I ch- like I channel somebody who enjoyed it more, like oh. a Dracula episode. Yeah, it's like four out of five Alice's. Mm-hmm. Uh, four out of five Alice's approve this message. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I'm very excited for this one. Time the Dreaded Sundown, I had heard things that made me a little iffy about it. Mm-hmm. Alice, Sweet Hal- Alice, I've heard it's a little slow-paced, but really cool. And okay. I'm into that. Like That's is what I expect like, from a 70s movie. Is it like a take on Alice in Wonderland? I really don't think so. Oh. If you saw the Town the Dreaded Sundown, number welcome. one. Number one, I'm sorry. 
number two. <laughs> let us know what you thought. Yeah, let us know what you thought. You can find us on Twitter at Scream101Pod, on Facebook at Scream101Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review us. Email us at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. Give us five stars in that review that I talked about earlier because I mixed up. Because ice cream. ice cream. Sergio will give you ice cream. I will. I talked so fast. I hope I said that right. I did not uh, like spell check in my brain. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the ride. Have and good luck. And you stay gold, you beautiful people. Good luck on your journey. Take a golden shower what today. I say. Okay. What does that mean? Get me done. Really? You knew that. I did not. You knew that. I knew no such thing. You knew that. How dare you insult my honor, good sir. I might only have one match, but I can make an explosion. And all those things I didn't say were wrecking balls inside my brain. I will scream loud tonight. Can you hear my voice this time? This is my fight song. Take back my life song. Good. That's my so good. You like coffee smell? I disagreed with you. I don't know. Oh. That's rude. I was just being a friend. I'm looking at your DVD collection, and like, I for a quick second thought you had a, a documentary on Mad Max. Really? Why? It's like Beyond the Thunderdome. And so that kind of <laughs> sounds like a documentary title. It's almost too awful for the words. It's a very terrible impersonation. This episode was brought to you by Cubholder Radio. You can find more episodes of this show and others at cupholderradio.com or wherever podcasts are sold. Get out! The podcast is coming from inside the house. Hello there. I'm Uncle Ponyboy. Do you like suspense? Don't go in there! Buckets of blood and human excrement? Pour upon me! Gratuitous nudity with more boobies than you can handle? Let me see them. And radical hairstyles? Oh, yeah! Then you should check out the Gorgab Podcast. Hosted by yours truly and DJ Gill. Hello! You can find us on the iTunes Podcast Store and on Twitter at Gorgab Podcast. And while you're at it, go ahead and go check out cupholderradio.com. It's podcast for the weird at heart.